as I was, as I was sitting there, I said to Nathan, I said, you know, we, we could have a very funny moment if you came up and sat on my lap and I put my hand behind your back. But he said, Dad, I'm not sitting on your lap. That's <laughs> anyway, it's, uh, it's a privilege for us to be here today. I want to uh, thank uh, Glenn and, and um, Peter, Albert, and uh, the team for inviting us here to be with, with you today. Uh, this is the first time that we've been in the building, and uh, you have a gorgeous building. Uh, trust it'll be a great tool for uh, building the church and for, for reaching the lost. Um, I want to thank uh, Albert and Tara and Mike uh, as we are trying to uh, build a preaching team here. I thought it would be very interesting uh, to work with a group to equip you um, because there's a lot of great preachers here in the church and uh, part of our job is to equip one another and so we're really looking forward to that. Uh, Nathan, why don't you take it away? You're going to introduce me, is that right? Right. Okay. Is this on? Is it on? I, th I think it is. Can you hear Nathan? All right, good. Oh, there you go. So, uh, if you don't know already, this is my dad over here. Uh, basically, uh, you know, as um, was already preceded, he is a pastoral ministries teacher at Prairie College, and uh, he's also been a part of a church plant, I think, many times, haven't you? Once, but helping, okay. helping. He helped in a church plant. Um, you know, he's quite the fisherman himself, as am I. But you know, always time. Every time that happens, there's a competition, and it's pretty fun. But at the end of the day, after I beat him, you know, there's always love there, so that's nice. <laughs> well, Nathan uh, is my youngest of three, so we have two other older daughters. And um, what I appreciate about Nathan is his passion for basketball. So we live out in Linden. And we have a hoop in front of our place. And it's always time when we do dad and father street ball. And I just got to be honest, it gets a little rough sometimes. And we give, you know, we kind of trash talk, you know. Uh, but um, I appreciate him because he's the only person I know that can slam dunk over me at 10 feet. So um, he really has a heart for basketball. He's a dairy farmer. And he works just out of, out of Linden uh, about five minutes. And uh, he's a hardworking guy. He gets up pretty early, I think. I don't know, the last couple of days you're up at six or something. Yeah. Um, but I appreciate him. This is our first time team preaching, so we're going to try this out. It's kind of a trial run, uh, but I think, I think it'll, it'll do well. Let's pray together, and then we'll, we'll go. Father, thank you uh, so much for this church. Thank you for the legacy that the TAB has in uh, leading people to Christ and developing leaders in the church and for impacting their community and the world with the good news of Jesus Christ. And uh, thank you for uh, the privilege we have today to get into Ephesians and to talk about your prayer uh, for us together. And so, Lord, I pray that you would be our mouthpiece, that you would challenge us with the good news, and, Lord, that we would be different people than we came in here today. And, uh, Father, I pray for those people who are watching online today, uh, that they are part of our community today, and uh, we just see them as, as equals wherever they're at around the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Nathan, why don't you uh, kick us off? All right, so uh, I'm going to start us off with a bit of a story here. So just imagine for a moment that your family is walking through the older part of Three Hills. Now, I don't really know where that is. But let's say you uh, approach this house and you see a sign outside that says, Handyman for Sale. Well... So 
this family who's trying to get this handyman is happen, have, yeah, pardon me, happened to have an open house that day. So you walk up and you see this, this lawn that's covered in sticks and leaves and it's not looking very nice. It looks like a jungle. And as you're walking up the sidewalk, you see that the sidewalk is cracked and it's got weeds coming out of it and you approach this door and as you open in this door, you notice that this door is paint chipped off and it's cracked and the hinges are real loose on it. It almost feels like the door is going to fall off. So as you're walking through this house, you see this dirty shade carpet. And then you approach the kitchen, this 1930s-style kitchen, and you notice all this old wiring, a bunch of appliances that are no longer working. And so many of us happen to view our Christian walk this way. You know, it's tired, it's old, it's just the same thing, repetitively. So, at this point, when you're looking at this house, you, you realize it's, it's way too much work to try and fix up yourself, and, you know, you just get overwhelmed at the thought of it, and you just happen to walk away and leave it alone. And so let me give you another scenario now. On the same day, the same place, this other family walks up. And instead of seeing all this dirty old house and this gross lawn and everything, they envision kids playing on a freshly cut green lawn playing soccer. They envision a family sitting in the living room around a fireplace. They envision guests or neighbors sitting on the porch drinking sweet tea or iced tea. And they realize, hey, you know what, if we fix this place up, it could be real nice. You know, it could be one of the best-looking houses in the neighborhood. Well, so the potential buyers, they leave, and they make an immediate offer on the house. Do both buyers look at the same house? Yes, they do. Is it in the same condition? It is also in the same condition. But the difference is, is the one family has the courage and the vision to take something old and worn out and make it new and make it into a great reality. So Ephesians 1.15 to 23 is about a new perspective and a renewed vision in the body of Christ. So my dad and I were thinking of a way to present the big idea and we wanted to present it as a hashtag. Now if you don't know what a hashtag is, on social media, a hashtag is followed by a word and it's, it's used to have a keyword topic in a sentence. Um, and basically, if you were to click on that hashtag, whether you're on the computer or on your phone, uh, it'll bring up a bunch of other pictures or words that connect to that same hashtag that you were using. So we're calling the big idea today, hashtag praying in this together. And we're in a search to discover what praying in this together means. So we're going to dive into the search today. Ephesians 1 to 5, pardon me, 115 begins for this reason. Now we, we might ask Paul, well, for what reason? And Paul is rem reminding the Ephesian church that all he wrote to the church is in the first verses, the 1 to 14 part. This was the section that Trevor Douglas uh, alluded to last week. Um... So the Father's blessed us with many different spiritual blessings. So if we were to rewind, one, he chose us to be set apart and blameless. 
Two, he adopted us into the spiritual family. Three, he forgave us for our sins and freeing from death. He also made us known into his plan to save us, and he sealed us with the Holy Spirit. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I have not stopped giving thanks to you, remembering you in my prayers. Now that's part of the verse there. So when Paul says, for this reason, since I have heard about your vertical relationship and God through the Lord Jesus Christ and your loving relationships with other Christians, I've continued to give thanks and I remember to pray for you. Paul has given thanks to both the Ephesians' love for God and love for others. Paul's gratitude in the Ephesians uh, spills over in remembrance. As he remembers the church, he keeps asking, this is an act of supplication it is continually asking God on their behalf. Now verse, verse 17 says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you can know him better. So dad, can you explain exactly what Paul was praying for specifically in the first part of the prayer? Mm -hmm. So Paul gives us this descriptor uh, for the God of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, I keep asking the glorious Father. Uh, it's the only time in the New Testament that Paul uses this descriptor, the Father of glory. It's literally translated the Father of glory. So he's not just God of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's not simply creator or just judge. He's not just the provider or the deliverer. But he is the Father of glory. Paul really elevates that position and really tries to get us to think, it's all about God's glory here. So glory has a couple of different meanings. Uh, it really means to ascribe praise and honor to God, such as Jeremiah 13.6, which says, Give glory to the Lord your God. The idea there is to praise him and adore him and worship him. Uh, the idea of glory is related to, to, to worshiping him. Uh, but glory also has a, another meaning, and that means substance or essence. And in Exodus chapter 24, when the people see God on the mountain, uh, it says, and the appearance of the glory of the Lord was like consuming fire on top of the mountain before the eyes of the Israelites. In fact, the, the early rabbis, when they're trying to describe this word glory, called it Shekinah. And uh, Shekinah is an English transliteration of a Hebrew word which means dwelling or settling among us. So you can get this picture of God's divine presence settling with us. And Paul's picking up here this idea of ascribing glory, but he's also revealing the nature of the Father. God is the Father of glory. Now the Father reveals himself through creation and through the scriptures, but ultimately in the person of Jesus Christ. And if you ever wonder, what does God really look like? You should look at Jesus, because Hebrews tells us the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. Now, we may know that God reveals himself in Christ, but I think there may be times still in our lives uh, where, where we don't know if God is around us. We may be questioned, God, during this COVID time, I'm feeling really lonely. I'm feeling like I'm sitting in my home and I can't go anywhere, 
Where are you, God? But I'm wondering if, perhaps, the better question for us to ask is, where am I? Where am I this morning? Because maybe uh, we're in a place of darkness this morning. Perhaps we're, get, we're so caught up in going our own way and doing our own thing and being stubbornly rebellious that we actually can't hear God, even though he keeps revealing himself to us over and over and over. Perchance you're sitting in the service today or watching us online, and you've never chosen to really get to know him. Here's the good news. Paul is praying for the Ephesian church, and he is crying out before the Father of glory, and he says, I keep asking, and I keep asking, and I keep asking, and asking, and asking that the Father of glory would reveal himself to you. I want to ask you this morning, do you know the Father of glory? Because he's constantly revealing himself to us. Paul says, I keep asking that the Father of glory may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. And here's the the great news. This, This passage is so practical for us. Because we can begin to pray collectively as a body for one another that we would get to know him better. Paul prays that we would have the gift of wisdom. And wisdom is this idea of applying knowledge and understanding so that we can have sound judgment in our life. So I may know something, but if I don't have wisdom, I can't use or apply that understanding. Let me give you some examples. If at first you don't succeed, skydiving is not for you. People will accept your idea more readily if you tell them that Benjamin Franklin told you first. Never test the depth of the water with two feet. You guys get them? Okay. Especially if you go fishing. If you think nobody cares if you're alive, try missing just a few car payments. If you tell the truth, you don't have to remember anything. Really good one, kids. Going to church does not make you a Christian any more than going to McDonald's makes you a hamburger. A little bit of wisdom there. So wisdom is the application of knowledge and understanding. The idea of revelation, on the other hand, is like pulling back the cover on something so that you can see a little more each time. Now, I'm hoping that we have a guest in the back. Um, So Nathan, why don't you go see if we have a guest back there? I don't know if they're back there or not, actually. And don't worry, it's not a puppet. So Nathan, do we have a guest back there? I do. Okay. Why don't you bring the guest out for us? So this is kind of a demonstration of revelation. Now, if you, if you know this person under the blanket, don't yell out their name. Uh, but I want you to think in your mind, who is this person? Do I know them? Okay, so Nathan, why don't you raise the blanket just a little bit at a time so maybe we could see their feet. Okay, so there's their feet, white socks. Do you know this person? Don't ye- Again, don't yell out their name, but just think, do I know this person? Okay, a little higher. Okay, a little bit more. This is what revelation is like. God keeps 
unveiling himself a little bit to us at a time, a little bit to us. Keep going. Okay, now you might be guessing it's a female. Okay, and then why don't you take the cover right off? All right, let's give her it. Let's Rochelle. Thank you for that. Um, how many people? How many people actually knew it was Rochelle? Okay, a few of you. How many people had no idea? All right. Thank you, Rochelle, very much. You're a great uh, volunteer. So that's a little bit of revelation. And, and uh, Paul is praying that we would have wisdom and revelation. So this is how they go together. God reveals a little bit more about himself to us. And then the Spirit applies that knowledge and understanding so that we can have wisdom about who God is and how to live in our relationships. So God reveals a little bit more of his kindness to us to help us so that we can repent. God shows us a little bit more of his comfort so that we can comfort others. God reveals a little bit more of his loving character to us to help us in our discouraging circumstances. This is what Paul is praying for, that we would have wisdom and revelation. So I want to ask you here this morning, do you know this Father of glory revealed in the person of Jesus Christ? Because this whole prayer is about Paul praying for the Ephesians that we would know him better. And this is the good news, that we can pray for each other as a community that we get to know God better. So um, I thought we could just try this prayer out a little bit. Um, I have some blanks there in the prayer. So uh, Ephesians 1, 17 to 18, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give, and then you fill in the blank, the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that this person can know him better. Okay, so uh, let me just try this on Nathan. Okay, so Nathan, I'm just going to pray for you right now. Father, I just pray for Nathan. I, I, I keep asking God that this Father of glory, that you, God, may give Nathan the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that Nathan would know him better. So I want you to try this now. Um, I'm just going to have, and you don't have to yell out a name, uh, but just pick someone right now that you have in mind. Just one person. It could be your spouse. It could be your child. Maybe it's your parent here today, your grandparent. Maybe it's someone as you look across here or online. Think of someone that you just want to fill in their name uh, in that blank. And um, I'm just going to lead us through the prayer. And when it comes time, I want you just to put in that name. Does that sound good? Okay, here we go. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that may know him better. Nathan, why don't you lead us through the second part of the prayer? All right. So verse 18 begins with, that I pray that, I, sorry, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incompar incomparably great power for us who believe. So Paul begins by asking the Father of glory that the eyes of the heart may be enlightened. So imagine you go to a heart specialist and uh, the doctor says, hey, you know what? Just want to check on your heart, so I want to run you through the CT scan. 
So you say, okay, and you hop in, and then he scans you, and then you go home for a while. Two weeks later, you get a call, and the doctor says, hey, I want you to come here so we can uh, show you your CT scan. So you say, all right, and you come. He's like, ah, but I'm going to need you to sit down because this might shock you. So you start getting worried, and you're like, what's wrong with my heart? Well, the doctor says, you have eyes in your heart. So you can imagine how shocked you would be if you heard that. You're thinking, are they brown? Are they blue, doc? You've got to tell me something here. Well, he's like, well, they're not brown or blue. They're spiritual eyes. Now, being enlightened has to do with having spiritual eyes and seeing who God is in our hearts. The heart refers to our total inner person, which includes the intellect, the emotions, and the will. It is not just about knowing God intellectually. It means knowing him emotionally, being moved in your feelings. It means knowing him by physically serving him and others. If you can remember what Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. So, Dad, what is this hope to which he has called you? The hope to which he has called you is really about salvation. Jesus has saved us, is saving us, and will save us. And so because we know that we are adopted into this wonderful family because of Jesus Christ, uh, we can go forward with our minds set on hope. We are in this pandemic like everybody else, but we know and hope that Jesus is coming. We sometimes get lonely like everybody else, but we have hope that the Holy Spirit lives inside us and in, is in us. We may have broken relationships like everybody else, but we have hope in the Father of glory. Now, what are the glorious riches of the inheritance in the saints, Nathan? Uh, so the glorious riches of the inheritance in the saints is about understanding the fantastic treasure in the church. You see, our, futures, our future together is what, we'll actually, what we will actually share in Christ's glory. We are God's inheritance in Christ. He bought us and paid for us with his own blood on the cross. So we are to pray to others, we are to pray for others, that they may live in God's praise and proclamation to the nations. Think of the beauty of the church. You know, think of the prairie tab. Everyone is using their gifts to, to mature the body. Everyone encouraging and building up each other. Everyone outpouring generosity to each other. Everyone enjoying the joy and fellowship and having the privilege of diving deep into God's word. So what is the immeasurable greatness to his power to us who believe? Well, uh, Paul says that the greatness of God's power can't be measured. That's how big it is. We can't fully understand God's incomparable, unending power apart from Christ. So it's only through the power in Christ that we can live victorious Christian lives. It is only through the power of Christ that we can stand against spiritual enemies that try to take us down. It is only by the power of Christ that we will be resurrected from the dead. And I was thinking through this, and I, I came across this story. You might have heard this story, but I, I thought it really illustrates well um, this prayer that Paul is praying. Uh, and I want to take us to the 1992 Olympics in Barcelona. So some of you may not have been born quite then, but this is a great story. So Britain uh, had an athlete by the name of Derek Redmond. 
and he dreamed all his life about winning a gold medal in the 400-meter race. His dream was in sight as he got to go to the Olympics, and he started on the line. The gun sounded at the semifinals, and he was running the race of his life. In fact, he could see the finish line as he rounded the last corner on the track, and then suddenly he felt a sharp pain, and he collapsed face down. You see, Derek had torn his hamstring. And you know for any uh, sprinter, that's the end of your game. And as the medical attendants were approaching Derek, Derek fought to his feet, he lifted himself up, and then uh, out of the crowd came this large man in a t-shirt who hurled down the, <laughs> down the side, he pushed back the security guards and ran onto the track, and he grabbed Derek. Now to everybody's surprise, it was Derek's dad, Jim Redmond. And he said, you don't have to do this, he told his weeping son. And Derek said, yes, I do, Dad. Well then, said Jim, we're going to finish this race together. And Jim put his arm around Derek and helped him up, and they ran the rest of the race to the finish line. Now, the amazing thing about that was that the crowd began to cheer and people were weeping and crying and so excited that a father would help a son. And that's exactly what God has done for us. When we're experiencing pain and we're struggling to finish the Christian race, we can have confidence in a loving father who won't let us do it alone. He left his place in heaven to come alongside us in the person of his son, Jesus Christ, to help us to finish well. And that's what the church does for us. We stand together, praying together that we would know Christ and help us finish the Christian life well. Nathan, what, uh, let, let's model this, this second prayer. Why don't, why don't you do the prayer for us? All right. So I'm going to model the prayer by using my dad as an example. And since he stood up and put his hand on me, I think it's only appropriate to do the same thing. So, Father of glory, I ask that the eyes of my dad's heart may be enlightened in order that he may know the hope to which he has been called, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Amen. Amen. What's our hashtag again? Praying in this together. Praying in this together. Can you guys do that? Praying in this together. Praying in this together. It's pretty simple. All right, so Paul goes on to a great extent to talk about what this power is about. Uh, so the end of verse 19 to verse 23 says, The power is the same as the mighty strength. He exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in this present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Now Paul uses this imaginary of above and below. You see, Christ is above everything and everything else is below. All rules, all authority, all power, and all territory submits to Christ. So because of, 
because of Christ's supremacy over all things, the church now elevated becomes the fullness of Christ. So together we can enjoy the benefits of the power in the Christian life. Okay, so let's circle back again to that imagery of the house story that you used at the beginning. Uh, Paul's prayer really should be a catalyst for us. We're, we're this family that goes maybe to this older house that needs some work, that maybe is, is tired and worn out. But we as the church actually can come together and pray together and be a catalyst for some new things. No longer do we see our Christian lives as insular and useless and humdrum and without, without power or purpose. We now see our new circumstances through the eyes of Christ, knowing him, hoping in his presence, enjoying his spiritual riches, and delighting in his power. But more than that, together, we can pray with gratitude and passion that all of us would know Christ. That's the purpose of Ephesians 1, 13 to 23, is that we would pray in this together. And as we get a fuller picture of Christ, as we begin to pray for one another, and God begins to grant us eyes to see, wisdom to apply who he is to our circumstances in life, as God keeps revealing himself to us, we get a fuller picture of who God is in the body of Christ. We're awakened, as it were, to be intentional, to go deeper and broader in our prayer life, and to realize the spiritual depth for our own family, our church family. And we have hope for the future by praying this prayer for each other every day. We come to know a new awareness of what is at stake in our own lives, in the lives of our family, and in the lives of our church and in our community. So let me proclaim to you, Prairie Tab, the best days are yet to come. Amen? The best days are yet to come with Jesus. So Nathan, could you just describe how knowing this prayer helps us this week? Uh, yeah. I want to leave us with two ideas. Number one, to inspire. And number two, to create momentum. You see, we are inspired to be prayer catalysts in other lives. And now we know God has so much more for us if we just simply ask. We can encourage our own family, our friends, our small groups in spiritual growth. We can create momentum in our church and community by leaning into all that God has for us and others. So I'm also going to leave you guys with a challenge this week. And my challenge for all of us is to take one person from the church and one person from outside of the church and just pray for this week and pray for them this week using Ephesians 1, 17 to 19. And that is... I pray, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give, and then you insert their name, the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that may know him better. I pray that the eyes of a person's heart may be enlightened in order that may know the hope to which he is called, the riches of his glorious inheritance and his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. So I thought it might be kind of uh, a fun ending for us. If you're okay with this, if you would just stand, if we could all stand together. And I'd like you just to pick out again someone's name uh, in, in the Tab Church. 
So again, it could be in your own family, in your small group, in your prayer team. Um, and I'd like you to just, to, again, think of their name. And uh, we're going to take just a few minutes in silence right now. And we're going to pray through this prayer that's on the screen, Ephesians 1, 17 to 19a. And again, just insert their name uh, into the blanks there. Okay, so let's just pray. pray this prayer uh, for the tab this morning, uh, the same prayer that we've been learning about and praying through uh, during the last hour. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give the tab the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that the tab may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of the prairie tabernacle's heart may be enlightened in order that the prairie tab may know the hope to which he has called the prairie tab, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. In Jesus' name, 